is Parenting for the Everyday, a podcast dedicated to meeting parents in the trenches of parenthood. We explore how our faith fits into our parenting. With the help of our guests, we are seeking practical tips on how the gospel can speak into our day-to-day parenting. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Holly DeCandrew. And I'm Becca Alvarez. This is part two of our three-part series. I know we originally um, had planned for this episode to be part three, but we've kind of moved things around. So today we are talking about depression, another super relevant topic today in parenting and also a very layered and complicated one. Before we get started, I just want to add a little bit of a disclaimer that some of the um, content on today's episode um, can be pretty heavy and graphic. So if there's little ears around, uh, we will probably venture into the areas areas of self-harm and suicide. And so this may be one that you want to listen to um, without those little ears. So um, as we get started, Jessica, if you would just take a minute to kind of introduce yourself, tell us who you are, um, and we'll go right into it. All right. Well, I'm Jessica Wojnarowski. First and foremost, I'm a follower of Christ, have been that in, um, since 2003. Um, I've been married for 18 years to my husband, Tom, and have four kiddos. Um, I have my oldest is age 17. He's a boy. And then I have a 14-year-old girl and 10-year-old boy-girl twins. So the gamut of all the ages. I have boy-girl twins. Okay. So that's why I'm like, you. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, so um, I just finished my degree as a licensed professional counselor in August from Liberty University. So um, at the moment, I am practicing at Emerge Counseling Ministries in Akron. So yeah. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for talking about this with us. Absolutely. As Holly mentioned, it seems like depression is so relevant now, more so than it has ever been. Uh, what are the most common symptoms that you see that children experience? Um, now, children, you know, there there are a wide range of symptoms that we can see. I will say in the the grade the school the grade school age um, from like five to twelve you're going to see some more physical symptoms so you're going to see maybe a change in their sleep patterns a change in their appetite um, you'll see some irritability uh, you'll you will see that low mood that low depressed kind of profound sadness you might see some behavioral changes and um, academic performance changes at school um, so just kind of be aware of some of the more symptoms. Um, I will even say we've noticed some tummy aches, you know, because of some of the anxieties and depressive symptoms. Um, You might see some headaches. So watch out for those somatic symptoms as well. Is there an age? So you you mentioned younger kids. Mm -hmm. And so for some reason in my mind, I think depression um, is linked to like the teenage years Mm -hmm. or, or older is when it's maybe more diagnosed. Can you diagnose a young child with depression? You can diagnose an infant and I know now that's hard to see because a lot of times you know again they they can't they have no awareness or ability to verbalize so a lot of this stuff is going to be their their physical symptoms that you see Um, but because again there's no ability to verbalize those things that's when you want to go get assessments done we have assessments for you know babies to you know the oldest gener- you know, generation. So, you know, that's where we can actually really truly diagnose for depression. Okay. Wow. And I feel like we kind of jumped right into this. Yeah. Something that we talked about even before we started recording is having that 
word depression or mm-hmm. feeling depressed used out of context. Can you give us mm-hmm. just what is the clinical definition of depression and what's the difference between that and just using it flippantly? Like I feel depressed today or mm-hmm. I am I am depressed. So as far as what this disorder is is composed of, it's it's a two-week span of what we call a major depressive episode. And so within that two-week span, you're going to notice a low mood or whether that looks like profound sadness or that irritability, which is a little bit more common in kids, that irritability part. Um, you will notice the feelings of hopelessness, um, worthlessness, um, excessive guilt, maybe. Um, you will notice a lack of concentration and focus and inability to make decisions where maybe they used to be able to do that. Um, you'll notice um, a, a change in behaviors at school and performance. You'll notice social isolation. So th- those types of dynamics are what we would consider clinical Um Different is more where where it's, you know, situational. Something happens and the normal, you know, emotion that comes out of that is is sadness, right? I mean, because that's what we experience. So I would I would kind of say that, yeah, like, you know, when when my kid comes up to me and they're like, I feel depressed. Okay, so kind of define that for me. You're feeling sad, you know, you're feeling, are you feeling hopeless? Kind of help them with, with some of their verbiage. Um, I'll often use a feelings wheel, as silly as that yeah, sounds. No, that's to, we're big fans of the feelings, yes, wheel. yeah. feelings wheels at church. Right. Yeah. To just be able to give them some more, you know, understanding and idea of what they're, what they're experiencing inside. So, okay. yeah. So how can you, so a situational depression is a normal mm-hmm. thing maybe mm-hmm. for anybody. I'm thinking as a parent, you know, of a teenager who, you know, uh, has a change in a relationship or something mm-hmm. that leads to situational depression. And then you're also talking about clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, does situational depression, well, I'm assuming clinical depression requires then uh, the treatment would be to go and see a counselor and be evaluated and, and determine a treatment mm-hmm. plan. Does a does situational depression always require that as parents? Like if we have kids who are walking through that, is the first thing we need to do is to talk to someone? Is there things that can we navigate that on our own? Mm. Good question. Um, we actually, there is a clinical term for situational depression okay. called an adjustment disorder with depressive symptoms. Um, we can also see that it can express itself with more anxiety, with maybe both, with different behavioral conduct um, issues. So there's, again, you know, kind of a plethora of things that we'll see because of a certain stressor. So a stressor will typically happen, and within a three-month period, we'll see some changes in those behaviors, whether it is um, depressive symptoms, anxious symptoms, those behavioral conduct symptoms. So um, I would say as a parent myself, if I'm seeing that this chi- my child is kind of continuing to go through something, like they're continuing to be bullied, if it's a divorce situation where they're continuing to go through something, I feel like it would not be harmful to get extra help and support for them. Um, however, you know, if that if resources are not available in that degree, I would say that, you know, allowing them to just open up, you know, what's going on inside, you know, for and and I always say for me, mm-hmm. I'm feeling really frustrated and I'm feeling really disappointed in life right now. It's not turning out how I wanted it to. How about you? Okay. And so that's kind of how I open up 
like with with my kids or with kids that I see at at the um, at my facility. So I think that those types of things, like yes, you can absolutely walk your child through that yourself. But I do think extra support, of course, would be very beneficial, especially if they're not improving. If they're not improving, well. you yeah. I think typically we'll see a three to six month time okay. span where it will kind of work itself out. And if you notice that it's kind of beyond that that time frame. I would, I would probably go see. Yeah. Yep. How you brought up situational depression and we've been talking about clinical depression, but where does depression come from? Mm. You know, this is for me a chicken or the egg. Yeah. Okay. Meaning I find that a lot of times with an overwhelming, you know, uh, with overwhelming issues of life, yeah. um, it can really create rumination in your mind. You can think over and over and over find that there's such little that you can control in life and that lead to hopelessness. However, which one comes first? I don't know. Personally for, for me and what I've experienced with, with some of my clients and my kids, I think it is more anxiety, you know, is the precursor. Um, but yeah, I do think that, um, that as we kind of experience these, these issues of, man, there's not really a good answer for this. And man, this, this world is ridden with the, the effects of the fall that, that, you know, we, we don't really have a great way out of kind of this mess, you know, that we are in. Um, I think that that's kind of where that, that sadness that like, man, my, my life, my dreams, my hopes, they didn't really, they really didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to. So I kind of think that that's, you know, maybe where it, where it stems from. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I have a middle schooler and I have noticed that there are some trends. So I think the word, uh, depressed is a trend using that, um, frequently I've seen my own kid use that or talk about friends that use that, um, even self-harm. Um, and I know, like even when you and I were talking before the episode, talking about people who are like, well, then I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. So you've got this idea of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just talk to us about these trends, the danger of the trend, the trends, and then how yeah. do we as parents kind of navigate them with our kids? Yeah. These, uh, so it is, first of all, it's scary, right? It's so I scary. mean, we, we see it, we hear it. Um, our kids see it and hear it all the time. And um, it is kind of on the rise. Not only is depression on the rise, but, you know, these self-harm um, movements are on the rise as well. So first of all, just understand that it is all around scary for all of us involved, right? Um, I would say that first and foremost, let's take it seriously. You know, I, I, I don't think that if we notice, you know, cuts on a forearm or on a thigh, you know, that's something that we should just, well, that's the phase. Like, mm-hmm, it's okay. Yeah. Let's like, I'm just going to kind of ignore it. No, like, let's, let's kind of get in there and get dirty with them because they're, they're feeling the pain. We have to understand that self-harm um, and in any capacity is a symptom of a deeper issue. And so we really want to just kind of get in it with them. Um so I would typically say, like, if this is something that you notice as a parent, um, definitely talk about it. Um, let's see, like, when's the first time you did it? Um, you know, how often is this happening? Are you getting urges to do it and you're not following through? Um, these types of questions. Um, if it is kind of a first-time thing and it's more of a curiosity and experimental um, 
still take it seriously because that behavior can become addictive. Like they, they yeah. find that it's actually comforting. And so that can lead to higher suicidal rates, possibilities within the you know future. So we do want to take it seriously. Depression and anxiety, like you said, just kind of labeling big feelings is very trendy as well. So again, just kind of being able to um, just help them verbalize exactly what they're experiencing. Are you frustrated? You know, um, do you feel a lot of stress and pressure in school? You know, is it, is it, is it hard for you to see your friends kind of move away from you? Just get them talking, you know, and even in that conversation, it may just reframe rather than kind of this big symptomology of like, I'm depressed to something like, oh, you know, so it's very frustrating. It's very sad to see your friend moving away from you. So that might, you know, help a little bit in those conversations. The internet is such a scary place uh, these days. I feel like a lot of these topics that we're talking about are sometimes introduced to our kids through the internet. Yeah. And so my question as a parent would be, should I be heading off these conversations before my child sees them and talking about you know, what self-harm is or what suicide or depression even is um, as the kind of a proactive response? Or am I wanting to wait until they're in the situation, You know, not expose them to something before they've been exposed? Um, and be kind of reactive to when they're in that situation. Sure. That's that's a good question. And I would say, I would say mostly it's situational. However, you know, I do think that there is, if, if we can have a common thread of conversation with our children about, you know, what they're experiencing, how, you know, what, what they're going through, um, as, as they kind of experience these situations of stressors and pressures, um, whether it's in school, whether it's socially, you know, whether it's just developmentally Mm -hmm. where they're just changing, um, and we can have this, this, understanding that we talk, you know, and I'm, and I'm here and I'm open and I'm a non-judgmental place of understanding and love and empathy for you. I feel like the conversations are going to come up themselves where they might hear stuff about self-harm before, man, I would even think to bring it up. up. Um, You know, I I think the same thing about, you know, sexual stuff as well, like where it's like, man, before I know it, they're engaged in it. However, if I had a really solid, you know, foundation of conversations with them, those those conversations will be so much more easy to navigate. And, and you can very clearly help them through those difficult if you're consistently those having those yeah. hard mm-hmm. conversations or any conversations mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Yeah. I think that also puts the responsibility on the parent to react appropriately. Mm-hmm. I think you you said this so correctly where so much of this is scary. Self-harm is scary. The internet is scary. Suicide is scary. And I think when we encounter fear, we so often react in a different way, whether that's anger or sadness or just an overreaction. And that can make our child go underground mm-hmm. is a term that we like to use, um, where you start to no longer have those conversations because now you have overreacted and made them feel shame or judgment or whatever it is or invalidation. And so having that responsibility as a parent to be a judgment-free zone 
begin harder conversations at their appropriate maturity level. Like you have that equal conversation to their maturity. And then as they get more mature, you can add in the complexity of whether that is the sexuality talk or some of this depression and anxiety and self-harm. But allowing that pathway while you are keeping your emotions in check because it's so easy Mm -hmm. to overreact as a parent. Yeah. Um, I want to get into some kind of practical things. How can we help walk our kids through that? Um, But before we do that, let's kind of take a step back again and just kind of talk about like how as Christian parents, the gospel impacts our view of depression and uh, mental health. I think we have to have that frame of reference before we start talking about some of the practical things. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you all for making this a a conversation because Mm -hmm. I know that it's been a difficult conversation with the church and with Christians. Um, It's not as easy as, you know, we would hope it to be. That's that black and white. Yeah, Yeah. right, to get through some of these really difficult times in in our life. And I'm sure our parents could have said the same thing. So um, I appreciate that you, you know, you guys bringing this up. I think as Christian parents, um, helping to navigate these waters and, and even some uncharted waters that we, you know, the social media, this, Mm -hmm. this increase in, in device usage, all of these things, these are things that, that we are as parents are helping to navigate ourselves and with our kids. So it's, you know, it's, it's difficult waters to, to tread. However, what I think that we have to do first and foremost is we have to, Give give them the space, right? I, I, I look at how Jesus came to especially those who were already broken and already, you know, in need, right? And and he was not shaming. He did not come at them um when they were hungry and thirsty for his love and his grace and righteousness, he was not condemning at all. He was he was loving and he would he would take them in a a place of like you're being held, you know, you are so so I feel like we really as parents need to come at our kids with that same type of grace and love and openness to where they're at. Whether that makes sense to us honestly mm-hmm. does not matter. Mm-hmm. At 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 that point it's what are you feeling? And, you know, what are you experiencing? Man, that must be so scary. It sounds like you are so sad because it sounds like you're so lonely, so isolated. Um, So being able to just validate and empathize with what they're going through is really huge. Being able to say like, hey, you're human and God's really God's gift to us is to have a, a vessel in which to express those. And that's our, that's called our emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's okay if you use those. And here's a really appropriate way to use that. When you're frustrated, you know, you can, you can definitely like, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I like, I, I get that my kid's going to stomp a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to let him go, you know, you know, ransack the house. But like, I get that he's going to be frustrated because something hard happened. Um, 
I get that my kid is going to cry if he feels like, you know, just that there is something being taken away from him. So just being able to see like, hey, I see that you're, fr- I see that you're sad. I see that you're hurting right now. Um, and just being able to help them express those emotions appropriately. I also think that we also need to attach hope. Jesus, he, he didn't come on this earth and, and say like, hey, I, I, I understand how you're feeling right now. No, he gave us something to look forward to, that there was ultimately going to be restoration. Yeah. Um, and so I really believe that just being able to say like this, again, this is the result of a broken, fallen world. And I hate that you're feeling it. I feel it too. And, and, you know, here's some things that I, that we can use, like, here's some good, um, here's some good relaxation tools. Here's some good breathing. Here's, you know, let's go, let's go out and take a walk and let's just enjoy nature, you know, some of those tools and then point them to something that's ultimately going to just let them, let them just rest. And that is the solid rock of Jesus. Yeah. You know, ultimately this goes away. Ultimately, there's not, not going to be any tears. You know, ultimately, there's not going to be fear. There's not going to be isolation. Ultimately, we are going to be in this beautiful community of, of believers just praising the name of Jesus. So like, ultimately, this goes away. For right now, Sure, let's cry. But you know what? We're going to see hope and joy someday. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That's beautiful. Um, so let's get into into just some practical tips for parents. So if you are, are a parent with a child that is clinically depressed at home and feeling that hopelessness or that fatigue or inability to get out of bed, what are some really practical things that you can do in your home to help them? So I'm going to pull out the social media card. I, it, there is a direct correlation between the amount of time. Um, I, I'm going to say we. I'm, I was, yeah. but I, I'll say specifically uh, kids, but I think all yeah, around I think everybody. us as people, sure. yeah. how often we are on the phone and on social media. I, there is a direct correlation with depression, and so I really believe in limiting. Um, I don't think that it's, you know, I th- I think kids could possibly feel you know, a weight of, of shame if they don't have social media at all. So I, you know, I'm not one to totally like get rid of it altogether, but I do think limiting it is really, really, you know, probably one of the first places to start. So that, that sense of, you know, just getting kids up and out, I think is, is a good start. Um, I think continuing on in, in, you know, routine, um, you know, and being able to, to like, you know, I know you don't feel like it, but let's, let's go out. Let's, you know, we're going to go out on a little date, you know, we're going to, I'm going to grab you some pulp and we're going to just have a smoothie together and take a walk, you know, something to get them out. Movement is so good, you know, um, sunshine and, and just being out of their isolated little, you know, place of, of comfort really is, is something that we need to do for them. Um, I would say again, really just getting them talking. And that really looks like a lot of like, Hey, I I'm, I'm seeing and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm seeing that you're feeling really sad right now, really lonely. And I, you know, just checking in on you to just kind of get, you know, them engaging in conversation with you. 
Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the dangers of depression is that isolation. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden the lies become the loudest voice that you hear. And so it sounds like you're saying like, hey, make sure there's space to speak that truth and continually speak that truth to to your kids. Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to go deep. But, you know, the 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 difficult the the scariest part is that suicidality part where they can have those intrusive thoughts of, you know, I just don't want to be here anymore. Now, that's actually kind of typical is where, you know, maybe in one phase or another of our lives, most of us have thought, man, I just don't want to be here anymore. Like life on the other side sounds much better than what this life has to offer. So it can range from that to something as intrusive and invasive as like, you know, I know how I want to do it. I know where I want to do it and I'm making plans for it. And that's, that's where it's scary and an emergency. And that's where you call 911. Um, we have, um, a crisis hotline 988 that, that parents can, or even kids could call and text. Um, so there's other resources that we have that, that can help kids that are in those kind of deeper, places where you know it's 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 very dangerous so yeah and, um suicidality especially in adolescence is so dangerous because you may have that feeling of i don't want to be here anymore today but i want to be here tomorrow but i don't understand the permanence of suicide mm-hmm. and ending my life and so i know when i was working in houston that was something that we saw pretty often was a spike in suicide of mm-hmm. adolescents because they were feeling all of those very valid hopeless feelings and not really wanting to end their life but not understanding that this means this is forever this isn't just in the moment and so trying to help kids understand that as well um of what that permanence is and the things that are important to live for of mm-hmm. their family and, you know, grabbing onto some of those really, really hopeful things. Mm-hmm. You kind of see that the other way too, because you feel like these feelings are going to last forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And exactly. They, and you really have to say, no, 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 let's, it's not going to last forever, right. but they're not able to have that reality. Yes. Yes. I, I often use the analogy of seasons. I often will, I mean, in my, in my adolescent clients and my own kids and, you know, up up into adulthood where it's like, you know what, this is like your winter season. And in the winter time, everything looks bleak and cold and hopeless and it's covered and it's gray and it's ugly. And, and it seems like there's no life. However, in those times, the most growth is happening yeah. underground. And that's like the beauty of really, you know, depression. And, and, and that, that's kind of the redeeming hope that, that within our depression and anxiety and all of these things, that something is, is being molded and shaped into something that is about to grow. And I think that that is something that we can help our kids to see is like, hey, we all kind of go through these seasons of hopelessness and a sense of worthlessness. But you know what? What if God is actually taking something out that doesn't need to be there to give room for something that really does need to be there, something that's beautiful for the kingdom. And and so we can help our kids kind of see that that there's more to life than than just where you're at right now. But it's kind of one takeaway that you would want someone to walk away after listening to this episode with. I think 
I think the biggest thing for for me and seeing that, you know, in my own kids, seeing that in my clients is that um, just give them space, give them the ability to to have support from their parent, from their caregiver, help them to experience such a a non-judgmental place of safety be, you know, as much as we humanly possibly can be uh, a safe place that Jesus is for us, a secure attachment where they can express themselves in the ugliest because, man, thank God he sees me at my ugliest and he still loves me. I think that we as parents need to reflect that, that, that ability and that openness um, that we receive from Jesus to our children. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for sharing your expertise, for facing such a scary topic head on. Uh, we really appreciate appreciate it and feel like I've learned so much from this episode. <laughs>